0: Feel like who, art ed. We'll to who we'll Mr. Woodard, <laughs> me? Either way, It it's I, worked worked hard. It's I, love. I know. That's a great start. Welcome to Who Arted, where we explore visual arts in an audio medium. I'm your host Kyle Wood, and today we're looking at Xu Bing's Book from the Sky. Now, most people think that Gutenberg invented movable type with his printing presses around 1440. I know there are going to be different dates attached to that because there were different iterations of it, but somewhere around 1440 is when Gutenberg was working on his innovations, but actually Gutenberg was just refining and perfecting printing methods to make mass production of books more practical and affordable. It was revolutionary, but it wasn't the first around 1040 CE. B. Shang invented the first known movable type system. Before movable type, everything in print was basically cut into one big block. Essentially, the entire page would be cut into a block to make the print, and then that block would be thrown away, and a whole new block would be cut for the next page. It was labor-intensive, time-consuming, and wasteful. The idea with movable type is to have many small blocks, one for each character, so they could be arranged to print a page and then, rather than throwing away a block to carve another, the small character blocks could be rearranged to print the next page. Bi Shang used porcelain blocks for his printing system. He would make relief cuts of characters in clay and then fire them in the kiln. These porcelain characters would be arranged on an iron plate. Unfortunately, there were some practical limitations. It was a labor-intensive process requiring the printer to hand-rub each page on the printing plate. Probably more problematic was the number of characters required. Because the Chinese language has so many unique characters, and a printer would need multiple copies of each, the storage and organization of all of those porcelain stamps would be really difficult to manage, leaving many to conclude it was simply easier and more efficient to make big blocks rather than adopt movable type. Gutenberg's printing was far more efficient because Europeans were using a much more limited set of characters with the letters of the alphabet. He also improved the technology using metal letter stamps and the mechanical press to increase efficiency. Gutenberg may have improved the system and made it workable for the masses, but like a lot of things, movable types started in China. Now, skipping ahead a few hundred years, the artist Xu Bing created Book from the Sky as a monumental print. One gigantic book spread across four volumes is probably the most ambitious, labor-intensive, and useless book ever to be printed in China or anywhere else. Before we get into Book from the Sky, though, I think it's worth knowing a bit about the artist behind the work. Xu Bing was born in 1955. He grew up in Beijing during Mao's regime. The Cultural Revolution was very anti-capitalist and anti-intellectual. Basically, from 1966 to 1976, which kind of would have been Xu Bing's formative years, Mao and his followers wanted to purge capitalism from China at all levels, And as history has shown repeatedly, mobs trying to purge people and ideas from their society leads to horrific violence, death, chaos, and widespread fear. Xu's father was the head of the history department at Peking University, and I have to imagine he had to be very careful in what history was told and which aspects of history were left behind during the Cultural Revolution. Xu Bing showed tremendous artistic talent from a young age. In 1975, he was sent to the countryside as part of Mao's re-education policy. The idea was that sort of the intellectuals needed to be among the, the peasant working class, working the fields, doing the manual labor to know and appreciate that aspect of society as well. And Xu spent two years there. From what I gather, he mostly worked on banners and other things for the state. When he returned to Beijing, he enrolled at the newly reopened Central Academy of Fine Arts, where he studied printmaking. He actually taught there for a while as well, and in 1987, he earned his MFA. Mao died in 1976, and post-Mao China was a bit turbulent, to say the least. In the 1980s, there were various reforms and a market economy starting to take shape that benefited some but seriously disadvantaged many, many more. Again, anyone who has studied history can tell you that rising economic inequality is destabilizing to a society. And in 1989, There were weeks of protests, led by students culminating in the Tiananmen Square Massacre, as the government declared martial law and sent the military to end the protests and occupy the space. After the Tiananmen Square protests, many artists, including Xu Bing, came under increased scrutiny. He had been a part of a movement called 85 New Wave, with other Chinese artists attempting to cultivate a contemporary art scene incorporating Western influences. In an interview, he would later say, The original purpose of the 85 New Wave movement was to liberate art by trying to copy Western art. But after a few years, they realized that if you only imitate other people's work, you can't move forward. So then people started to realize that you have to find inspiration in your own culture, end quote. And I think this idea of trying to become more contemporary, but also finding inspiration from one's own culture is really key to understanding Book from the Sky and other works by Xu Bing. They had a massive show in 1989 called the China Avant-Garde Exhibition, and it was at the National Art Gallery. Filling the state-sanctioned gallery with non-traditional art was a bit of a taboo, and the exhibition opened the day before the Lunar New Year celebration began, and it was closed within three hours due to the provocative content. It was then reopened temporarily, but a few days later, it was shut down permanently and criticized for its liberalism. This was actually the first exhibition of Xu Bing's book from the sky, although at that time, the installation was called, and please forgive me, I am not a native speaker. It was something along the lines of Feng Shijie De Shu, which would translate to a book that analyzes the world. His work garnered a lot of attention. Uh, People were perplexed. They recognized it as a serious work of art, carefully constructed, aesthetically pleasing, but it was inscrutable. Was it intended to be a critique or to bolster Chinese culture and history? For many, anything and anyone that wasn't clearly supportive of the state was to be treated as an enemy of the state. Those kinds of bad vibes led a lot of artists to leave China around this time. In 1990, Xu Bing accepted an invitation from the University of Wisconsin-Madison, and he took up residence in the U.S. for almost 30 years. During his first exhibition in the, the U.S. at the University of Wisconsin's museum, he displayed the book from the sky. Now, a Book from the Sky is certainly the most massive print I have ever seen. As an American, barely fluent in just one language, I see all the characters printed on pages spread like a sea across the floor, and the scrolls outstretched overhead, even the walls lined with masses and masses of text, and I wonder what it might mean. The thing is, even if I spoke perfect Mandarin or any other dialect, the text would remain a mystery. In this piece, Xu Bing created thousands of nonsense characters that resemble Chinese writing, but they're completely meaningless. As I read the name A Book from the Sky, I draw associations to religious texts handed down from divine inspiration, or some might compare it to propaganda from Mao and other leaders who dictate from on high and the fact that all of it would be an overwhelming amount of seeming text that carries no meaning, it feels like a subversive statement. It calls into question what is a book and what is writing if it doesn't carry meaning. You might say it's calling out the fact that all of this ink produces nothing but an illusion of a sprawling sacred text. To borrow a bit from Shakespeare, It's a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing. When I first looked at this work, I'm going to be honest, I felt a bit uncomfortable. It's massive and crowds out the space. Of course, upon reflection, I realized that discomfort is the point. The scale of the piece confronting and overwhelming the viewer is deliberate. But also, while it is massive and overwhelming, it is also beautiful. It's meticulously crafted, and the the pages on the floor are bound in traditional methods. The, The billowing scrolls going across the ceiling, it is all very carefully constructed and aesthetically pleasing. Still, the installation gives you the feeling of semantic satiation. That's the official term for when a word or phrase is repeated so much it loses meaning to the listener. I think it becomes particularly interesting when considering that he uses tools associated with China's rich history of invention, printing, and writing. Nearly a thousand years after Sheng invented movable type, Xu Bing used wooden blocks of movable type to print a book from the sky. It's a book that cannot be read. In some ways laughable, but simultaneously it is deadly serious when considering how language can be used to manipulate people. How propaganda overwhelms people with words and images until they do not know what is real. Because there is no end to the ironies of this work, Xu Bing did a lot of careful study of the Chinese language in order to create his fake Chinese characters. He recombined a number of fundamental strokes used in authentic Chinese characters in order to invent his fake ones. He said, quote, They must be similar to Chinese characters to the greatest degree possible, but also not be Chinese characters. In a way, it reminds me of Ai Weiwei, another contemporary Chinese artist who's run afoul of the government at various points in his career as he smashed antique artworks and rearranged the pieces into something useless. Ultimately, I read a book from the sky as a beautiful work of iconoclasm. Now, iconoclasm is... Sort of attacking or rejecting cherished beliefs and institutions. And in this work, he draws upon that rich literary and printmaking and inventive tradition by creating 4,000 nonsense characters and. Printing them over and over again with that repetition that is overwhelming, adopting the form and traditional methods of the state propaganda apparatus in order to criticize it and call it out as a whole bunch of words with no meaning.